Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Disablest Report, official podcast of the Disablest Network. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about us and our organization, you can visit our website at disablest.org, spelled D-I-S-A-B-L-E-I-S-T.org. And if you would like to support us for as little as a dollar a month, we'd greatly appreciate you becoming a patron over on Patreon. You'll get access to behind-the-scenes content, monthly updates, and a few other things that you'll have to just pop on over there to find out. As usual, I am joined by my co-host and best friend, Lou Rodriguez. Lou, how are you doing this evening? This evening, I'm feeling like Columbo to your Jim Rockford. <laughs> Another uh, analogy that I don't get, uh, which is fine. Moving on, uh, we have uh, our friend uh, Dana Lazarus returning um, for the second time. Uh Another big-headed topic uh, coming your way for sure. But before that, Dana, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, um, maybe mention your diagnosis, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Um, hello, everyone. Glad to be back. Uh, my name is Dana Lazarus. I um, My diagnosis is I have uh, several things that I, I work with. Um, I have anxiety, I have depression. Um, we'll just stick with those for now. And um, I, uh, I'm an urban planner. Are we going into that kind of intro or sure. should I say? Oh, so I'm an urban planner. And um, last time I was on the show, I was talking about transportation planning. Um, this time uh, I just transitioned into the topic of housing planning. So yeah that's me that's uh that it's gonna be interesting just fyi we may have a little bit of uh, uh kind of wonky audio going on or audio delays audio yeah, delays so. going on so if we're like dana in in us are cutting each other off that that, yeah. that, that ends up being why um so we'll just yeah have to be patient <laughs> yeah just so we, we please uh please be patient we promise that this is a uh uh you know well it's going to speak for itself anyways, but uh, people are going through a lot of shit right now in general with housing, right? Um, disabled people absolutely being uh, among them. Um, Dana, I don't know if you would like to weigh in a little bit on um, how you think this current uh, housing market is having an impact on um, disabled people, a uh, prospectful, maybe first time disabled homeowners. Um, and we can go from there. Well, I was definitely hoping to learn as well on, um, on today's podcast. If you guys have, you know, your own thoughts and perspectives, this is something that I want to learn more about to be, um, transparent. Um, no learning because it seems like, <laughs> so it's like every time, <laughs> um, no, I have to. So like, okay, because here's the thing, right? So, you know, I was just saying um, earlier, like I own my own home and, you know, I have a lot of class privilege that allowed me to do that. Um, and I also just got lucky and happened to buy a house in 2019 right before the market exploded by, t again, total luck, uh, total chance. Um, but now that I'm here and I've been here, you know, almost three years. Um, 
I always feel a sense of worry that I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> um, something's going to happen. There's going to be a disaster, a hurricane that comes through and, you know, a tree falls on my house and I won't be able to pay to fix it. Um, so just knowing how, you know, scarce affordable housing is out in the world is a strain on me and I have a home that is, you know, mine. But, um, I mean, that being said, I, like, like I mentioned, I recently got a job working, um, doing affordable housing advocacy. Um, and whenever, so I get really excited whenever I see new house, affordable housing developments going up in our local area. Um, in my role, I help write affordable housing policy and um, connect nonprofits that develop housing as well as public agencies to funding that's available from the state and the federal government and local governments to build housing that is basically rent restricted um, or um, otherwise regulated to be accessible to, you know, underserved populations. Um, and um, I, I'm sorry, I lost my train. No, you're fine. Brain fog a, lately. Yeah, well, um, so, no, so we're it's been a too. long day. It's fine. So, it's okay. So Dana, we're gonna. I don't remember interrupt. what I was saying. No, it's okay. We're gonna, we're, it's, I'm going to jump in because you, you pointed out some interesting um, facts or, or pieces of information. Um, so it's a multi-tiered problem. If I was to lay out some of the things that I've read or um, looked over, uh, one of the things is like the baby boomers, for instance, are gobbling up all the resources. So they own a lot of the property right now. And then they're the ones making legal policy or law policy, mm -hmm. passing statutes. That's one problem. The second problem is there's no incentive to build affordable housing. If I'm a builder, I can build a house for a million dollars and it, it's going to cost, it's going to be cheaper for me to do that. And I'll see a better profit than let's say building affordable housing, which now is going to cost me more in manpower and resources and what's my return going to be? Yeah, why do that so, when you can make a premium? Right. So normally how that is supposed to be ameliorated is by subsidy. But those subsidies have been kind of cut out of the system. And then on top of all that, you have people that can come in and buy current houses, fix those up, and sell them, you know, 70000 150,000 more than what they paid for. So it's hard for them as an incentive to say, well, you know, I want to build affordable housing. There's no, you know, obviously for them, it's more economical and it's not about um, any type of moral substrate. To yeah. Like I, economic so policy. I want to say too, like uh, the first and foremost, like I, I think that just the phrasing affordable housing oh. makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> like i don't first of all i don't know what it means second of all you know growing up in like you know the uh, 
kind of white middle class. Like you the hear, burbs. you, you hear, you hear Section Eight, or you hear affordable yeah. housing, and like you know the things that crop up in your mind are like dystopian wastelands from like the the manga Akira or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like you know, I have these things in my head uh, that I I know that are wrong, but I also don't have any other thing to like juxtapose that idea in my head with right and i think that when a typical person you know who who doesn't have much knowledge on the subject also hears this it's probably similar to what they think or they'd be like oh, i don't want to do that. like why would i ever buy there because i don't want to be i don't want to be over there with those people kind of thing you know so it's like uh it, it, it's the, just the term is confusing to me is what i wanted to say so interesting points um and i just real quick i remembered what i was trying to say earlier which is that every time i post not every time but often when i post um an article about an affordable housing that um development that's happening my good friend um of faith olivia fabis uh she's a disability rights advocate also she will comment and say that's great but is it accessible to people with disabilities um she is also a wheelchair user mm -hmm. and i just think it's really interesting because i get excited about like oh we we can fit tiny homes in the space of a parking space like if we just build you know if we just use our space better but it's like okay that's great we have a high density you know we have um you know 10 floors of of rent restricted housing but is there an elevator so there's just all these considerations that like I want to know more about and I want to have like just at the tip of my tongue when it comes to talking about affordable housing policy or just housing development in general is like okay but does it have this 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 is it located here that kind of thing but um okay so to your point Luis about um subsidy um so affordable housing development like first of all there is actually a lot of money um out there in the world like there's a lot of different funding sources for different parts of the development process um there's state funding there's hud funding there's even local funding like in hillsborough county um just a couple years ago the county commission created an affordable housing trust fund and dedicated 10 million dollars a year that rolls over every year to provide subsidy. Hillsborough County, as well as many other counties and cities around the state, like Jacksonville, the city of Jacksonville, for example, um, they're creating community land trusts, if you've heard of that. Oh, and yeah, I'd for love sure. to hear if you have and what your take is. But um, community land trusts are when a nonprofit or a public entity buys land to remove to remove it from the speculative market. Um, and then they do a whole bunch of different things with it, but typically whatever goes there has to be rent restricted or affordable or like affordable for a home ownership um, with all these like all this law that's involved. But one other thing just to to your point um, that's really important to know is that um, public agencies can trade other incentives for development that aren't cash subsidy. So for example, by providing a density bonus, by saying you can actually build more units 
which will bring you in more money as long as you restrict the rent on 10% or 25% or even 100% of your development. Or another, my favorite incentive is reducing parking requirements by, you know, instead of saying you need to have two parking spaces per unit, remove that altogether because parking spaces cost tens of thousands of dollars per parking space for developers to build. So that in a sense is like a cash subsidy. Mm. So just something I think it would be like one thing that I'm hoping to to do um, that I'm trying to do um, is like just educate people on things that like I hate saying educate people, but let people know about some of the more like technical things that they can advocate for. Oh, for sure. That's, um, that, that's why we brought you on Dana. Away. <laughs> um, and then also Kyle, to your point about what is affordable housing, this is something we talk about all the time because one of the biggest roadblocks to doing anything to make housing more affordable is nimbyism the not in my backyard mm-hmm. assholes mm-hmm. yeah i was going to mention that so like and i so but i in a you can justify it by saying i understand like you know you bought your property you want to protect your property value the problem is like 99% of the time the things that they think are going to happen are a complete and utter myth Mm -hmm. and um based in prejudice yeah um it's and then it it causes a slew of problems community-wide yeah well i want to um point out too that you know people think I, i lou i think that you and i were talking about this before um a while ago about how uh you know that that whole thing about like the projects right being yeah. this like nasty yeah. part of town and like you and I were talking and this is before I had I had like little little knowledge about um you know I still don't have that much knowledge about urban planning but like even less than I did before and like it was <laughs> it's funny that it just so happens that like the sketchy parts of town are like oh don't go over there or whatever and it just so happens that's where the black people are that's where the brown people are that's where like the disabled people are and then everybody else is just in their you know their their well, little bubbles of where, where wherever it is and it's like it's it's not even like cons- con- conspiracy thinking to to make that connection that like you see these swaths of people who are all marginalized people and it's not just look everywhere you mean everywhere they just so happen to all be in the ghetto that's there's no way that that's a coincidence so so when i do address that i always just i i make the assumption let's make make the assumption that they're correct right or and and so then i ask have they ever actually looked at crime statistics Mm -hmm. so it's a way of looking at crime statistics through a lens of i guess you could say prejudice or racism Mm -hmm. So I actually looked into this and found that the crime statistics for wealthy neighborhoods and the crime statistics for poor neighborhoods are about equal. 
the difference is is that wealthy families or wealthy areas can buy their way out of the problems. Hmm. So DUIs, for instance, if we just take that as an example, the DUIs are probably just about equal across the board. However, if you're in the poor neighborhood and you get a DUI, that's catastrophic for you. If you're wealthier, you just go, oh, I owe $6,000. Here it is. And I go about my business. And, you know, and so it is with, let's say, divorce or domestic violence. I shouldn't say divorce is a crime. So let me redact. Uh, that's redacted. Uh, but if you look at uh, domestic violence, same numbers. And even if you look at like murder stats, right? So, you know, that's a cudgel that a lot of cons- uh, like right wingers will use. Oh, look at all the crime in the, in the ghetto or in the black neighborhood. See, they, and it's like, well, you guys have <laughs> mass shootings, you know, in your schools, like what, you know, so what's, so you still have violence, but again, they can litigate their way out of that. If you're like, so Dana and I, we're, we actually kind of bought our houses around the same time, Dana. So I'm with you. But you and I are at an economic level that if something catastrophic happens to our house, we, what do we do? You know what I'm saying? Like where I know, you know, some of the wealthier people there, they could just turn around and go, ah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put solar panels on my house or I feel like I'm going to do this thing and they can just pay for it. And of course, now here's the other part of that stratification. They don't experience what we experience so for them it's easy and they think oh well someone like dana or someone like myself are just not working hard enough mm-hmm. we're not putting our nose to the grindstone the way they did yeah and it's like a, it's like know, a, it's like a negative feedback loop though right it's oh, like it's well, a it's a it's something that they tell themselves to make themselves like as if they already don't feel like superior enough, right? I just feel like it's just another well, but, but, reason. But here's to... the other thing, Kyle. Here's the other more pernicious thing is, let's say when when I fill up my tank of gas and buy groceries, right? What percentage of my income does that require? Whereas if I'm wealthier, what percentage of, like it's, we're buying the same groceries. If I buy a pack of chicken and a wealthy person buys a pack of chicken, we're yeah. paying the same amount. I fill up my gas tank. They fill up their gas tank. We're paying the same amount, mm-hmm. but in, in real spending power, they have much more power, Yeah, but they don't perceive it that way. They still see it like there's equanimity there. Yeah. You can think of it in terms of the way that the um, U.S. Um, housing and urban development uh, HUD, the way that they think of it, which is the percent of your income. Mm-hmm. The percent of your income that you're spending on gas is higher, even right. though it's the same for, for sure. price for gas. The per- percent of your income that you spend on housing is going to be way higher. So that's that's one way you can think about it. And I also want to say about your crime, the crime thing, you are completely on point. And this is actually something I learned in um, school, learning about uh, in in my urban planning uh, master's program. The way that crime statistics are reported are are biased. And the way that they're mapped is also not 
particularly accurate. Um, so for one, Black communities, and this is statistically, you know, provable, um, are more heavily surveilled. Mm -hmm. So the fact that cops are in the community more just means that there's going to be more reported crime. Yeah. Um, in addition, the types of crime, right? So, like, maybe you have more um, petty theft in a lower-income community. But perhaps you have more drug use in the white community or more, like you were saying, domestic violence, you know, um, or certain things that don't get reported. Um, so it's just inherently a flawed um, statistic to look at when you Google like crime statistics. It just there's a lot of reasons why it's not quite accurate or fair and but it, it also sucks because that people look at those statistics when trying to figure out where they want to live. Like safety is one yeah. of the top things that people care about for the location of their housing or when they think about a neighborhood. I feel like uh, on top of that, uh, it's it's skewed even more in relation to what do we do about it. Well, like, I don't know. Well, yeah uh suburbs that can afford to like have their own police forces right like uh in reading the uh, uh are you talking about gated communities for instance yeah so yeah, like even yeah. even though like this isn't even necessarily an american problem though like reading trevor noah's book about about growing up in south africa he talks about this too where you know the the communities that can like the, the communities that can literally afford to hire their <laughs> own police forces um also digest crime differently and and, and then disseminate that information differently as well um and, and you know what what does that mean for uh you know marginalized communities um that i don't know that's like exactly. a, a huge thing to unpack yeah we're we're talking about some complicated topics here <laughs> and then not even we haven't even added the strata of disability uh, yeah we haven't that. even gotten to disability that was i was gonna try <laughs> to bring it i was gonna try to bring it to disability we did mention one uh we have a good transition point actually which is like we did talk about like cost of living so like cost of living versus ability to afford accessible housing um, because if we talk about just the act of buying a house that is going to say be more accessible than others, it requires different, uh, you know, things that may be quote unquote add-ons to the construction, but, right. Or, or whatever. So well, Dana, can I, can I, can I, um, jump in here real quick and make it like simplify it for just one moment, please. Um, you have all these people that are on the conservative side that call themselves Christians. And I and I wonder why none of this has appealed to their like uh, morality. <laughs> yeah, they, like hey, how about we help some disabled people? You know, how about you take a little bit of that money that you've earned and just help disabled people get housing? No, no. How is this, how how is 
you know, being charitable so difficult. No, because <laughs> remember, remember the crux historically. I'm just being simplistic, right? I, get, I, I don't, I just don't understand. No, like, no look, his, historically, the crux is that we <laughs> are at fault for our, even our own yeah, disabilities, right. remember? Yeah. Like, our disabilities are a marker of the yeah. sins you, of our you forefathers. Yeah, like, Kyle, you haven't prayed hard enough, that's why. <laughs> you, didn't, you, didn't you, you know, the, the word, the word stigma... <laughs> comes from yeah. you know all of that like in oh, particular sure. but you know it's... all right now we're now we're just we keep dolloping on complexity so go ahead dana let's not interrupt sorry you. and and the uh the delay on top of that yeah. so so i know first of all i'm new to my job that's all about um housing development like i was saying but i do know that there is a protected set aside for developing housing for people with disabilities. I believe it's in, it's from the um, Florida housing trust fund um, called the Sadowski fund. And the money is doled out to local governments as what's called ship money, S H I P. Um, and I was going to Google how much that set aside is. I think it's pretty significant. Um, and I apologize. Like, this is something that I need to, like, know. So um, I was just going to Google it. <laughs> Disability. No, you're, no, you're Look, we we absolutely don't have all of the answers. So we don't expect yeah. you to have this all of the answers. This is why we have either. you on the show. Help <laughs> us with this. No. <laughs> so... Yeah, but even with the set aside, um, and so typically they'll build like assisted um, assisted living facilities. Um, this wonderful woman that I work with started this program building single family homes for shared living for people with disabilities. I don't know if y'all have heard of that kind of program. Um, but Basically, what I'm learning is that it's it's supposed to be easier for people with disabilities to find rent-restricted housing. Um, but so I believe that there's a communications issue um, with when people need it, do they know where to go to find it? Yeah, the answer for that is yes. no. I think I think yes. the answer is no. I, that, yeah. that, it is. How no. about we do? How about <laughs> we do this? We're going to do a challenge, Kyle. Hmm. We're going to look for housing for you and see how easy that is. And we're going to go straight to the city and start there and see what. And we're going to document how long that takes to see how long if if it is even feasible and or possible. Hmm. So we'll put that to the test. You live in Hillsborough, so yep. we'll, we'll now we'll find out. And we'll keep everybody posted. <laughs> I I will also say the delay. Okay, that people with disabilities are often prioritized for existing programs. Um, We're so privileged. So that's I think important to know. So for example, um, for home ownership, um, they're sometimes prioritized for down payment assistance programs. Um, there's also a lot of money that exists for people with disabilities who are homeowners. Um, so there's 
owner-occupied rehab programs. Um, that's kind of their official name, um, owner-occupied rehab, um, where people with disabilities can apply for money to fix things on their homes or retrofit their homes to provide accessibility upgrades like ramps. Um, so that, I'm, you know, if whatever jurisdiction you're in, so like if you're in the city of Tampa, that will come, you know, you can find that at the city of Tampa. So this is just a little hint for your challenge. Um, I guess that like there's, there's, there should be programs, um, through the city of Tampa and, um, Hillsborough County, if you're in the county, but my one thing that I don't like about that is that a lot of these accessibility upgrades are only for homeowners. So it tends to be very classist and, you know, the more low income renters um, don't always have access to money. It's more, it's used t typically for homeowners. Yeah. And then add to that, like, w what about um, if you have uh, rural areas, you know, like, Hillsborough has a bigger tax base, probably more, probably a wealthier county, like Pinellas County, for instance, is relative. Wow, Kyle, them dogs are going. I know. I'm. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I apologize, okay. everybody. No, it's all right. I just thought it was cute. They're they're adding to they're they're adding color to the statements here. Yeah. No, but but it's just weird to me. Like, if you live in a rural community, how does that pan out? You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not going to have the I guess as much money as as Hillsborough or Pinellas County. So look, this for all our listeners, this is going to be very Florida and Tampa Bay centric. So we apologize in advance or or on the fly. But I think it's uh, Dana. You know, did mention something interesting, and then the whole like project about finding my stuff. I think that it's an issue that like the three of us, one of which is an expert at this. Like we just have to throw our you know, our metaphorical hands in the air, I guess, because I don't have hands. Yeah, yeah. You guys can just do it for me. But like that, we all have to throw our hands in the air and be like, we don't know what's going on. Like you know, like. Well, and th but but Dana's point is, it you know, is it shouldn't be that way. No, I know. How yeah, do you get that information out there. Yeah. Well, okay. So it's also similar to okay. So this uh, evokes a sense of like hopelessness, right? And so it's the same or a similar feeling to the way that I feel about, like, for instance, whenever I, uh, the last time that I went to the social security office and asked about like the income cap and what I can do to like ameliorate that and all of that stuff, the, the, um, counselors and stuff that I talked to, nobody knew when I asked them even what, what the income cap was, which by the way is $2,000 currently, um, nobody knew, nobody knew the answers to these things. And these are what these people do for a living. So again, you know, we go back and, and, and look like I hate conspiracy theories, like almost to the point where I can't even like, I start sweating when I hear them. But yeah. like I'm saying, I also have a, I'm, I'm the litmus test where I have other disabled friends now. Right. 
And the point is, is that it's a little fishy that even the people who work in these offices, when us as disabled people, disabled citizens, go to these offices that are supposed to be designed to help us, how do these offices not even know about the regulations in order to do... Like, it's just... It, it baffles me. I don't even know if, like, there is a feasible excuse that that anybody could put forward um, to this. No, that that's... A, these are all good points, but... Um to go back to what dana was talking about i i feel like we should ask her to give us a list of some of these agencies that we can contact and also put them in the description and on our website yes you know um dana we've been doing this kyle and i've been doing this for over two years now I think we've been doing this over two years or about two years. No, you mean like the show? The show, yeah. No, show. we've been doing it for just a little over one year. Oh, it feels longer. Yeah, well. Damn, damn that. Uh... <laughs> well, well, the time that it took to plan and everything. Damn but it, COVID, in, terms but... Of the, in terms of the show, it's been a year. But it's weird that we're just now hearing about some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And we've had people with multiple, you know, with different disabilities, different income levels on the show different disparate issues and yet we're just now learning that these programs exist so it, it's you know it's hopeful but also disheartening in, in, in two equal dollops and well yeah and that the, the only thing i'll say and then i'll let her talk is that i think that it's indicative of the of how we're seen as being fucking throwaway i don't know yeah. what else to, i don't know uh, how else no, to describe I, yeah. it but it's like a couple addendums um, to what I'm what I've been saying. Um, first of all, yes, there are special programs, but what I want to advocate for and what I believe is that it shouldn't be a special set aside program. Accessible housing for people with disabilities should be, um, what would be the word? You know, uh, default. Everywhere. It should be all housing. All housing development should have elevators, should have first floor, yeah, default, um, should have, um, you know, reserved first floor housing for people with disabilities, you know, like, there, it should just be um, everywhere. And the other problem is that while there are programs and there is money, um, there is a housing shortage. There is a housing, there's a supply issue um, that we have to grapple with here in, in 2022 um, nationwide, but definitely here in Florida. Um, and, you know, there was a news article that recently came out showing that we, um, Florida is the most unaffordable place to live in the country. Um, and we have a deficit of housing units that's in the millions. And that's that's a real number that is it comes from looking at the population, what the population's income is, you know, the percent of the population that's, you know, below po the poverty line, and then looking at the housing stock, all of the houses on the market. And looking at um, how much they're selling for 
and whether or not a person could afford to buy or rent those properties. So not just what, you know, how much they're rented for as well. Um, and there is a deficit of the number of units that are affordable to people that there's lots of math. There's actually, I think it's called the gap report that, um, I could share with you all, um, that has all these numbers. There's a lot of studies that show that this is a real thing. Um, and so even with our existing, you know, housing supply, like we need to be building taller. You know, I mentioned that before. And again, that's another reason why it's so important that all housing be accessible to people with disabilities um, is because we do need to start building taller. And once we start building taller, like we need to make sure that there's elevators. We need to, you know, and I'm sure there's other considerations. We need to make sure there's automatic doors. Um, you, stuff you know, like that. To, in defense so, of building taller. Uh, I'll let that, you... I'm sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to say that in defense to building taller, that's one way to fix the uh, uh, tax base crisis. There's also another problem, like the suburbs can't afford themselves, right? Like maybe the city, we get new roads, you know, there's a grant for that, but then the city itself or the municipality is on its own. And there's actually not enough taxes exactly. to, to pay for all this stuff. And that's because, you know, like, believe it or not, Kyle, the suburbs are actually kind of palatial. You know, like your house and the footprint of your property is kind of massive. Yeah. You know, you, it's you, like you don't so say. one single family to live on that property is actually kind of selfish, myself no, yeah. included. I, I, Dana, I actually feel selfish sometimes now that I learned about some of this stuff. I have my own house and I'm like, golly, I, I live here by myself. I'm kind of greedy. I feel, I, you know, I feel like a jerk. In, Not enough to invite people in to live with me, of course. <laughs> sorry to say, but. In terms, <laughs> in terms so of funny. building up and, you know, if, yeah, if you don't, like, if you don't want to, you know, install elevators and, and all that stuff, just give us superpowers. Yeah. Just invest hey. in teaching disabled <laughs> people how to fly. How about that? Make my dream. Well, that come would true. work, right? We'll get we'll get Elon Musk on that, right? We'll, oh, God. We'll yeah. Send, the, we'll send, save we'll us, Elon all, Musk. Yeah, You're our yeah. only hope. <laughs> no, we'll send all the disabled people to Mars. You know that'll solve everything. That's well. You know what and, we and, should and, do? Priorities. We, we should have Elon. Elon <laughs> yeah. Musk should just teach us all how to be grifters like him. I, 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 I don't even want to get on how much I can't stand him. I, that's I, um, that's the only thing I'm going to oh say is I'm just going to say just have him teach us to be grifters and then that will be our, our superpower. Um, America loves its grifters, I got to say. Well, we, that's uh, don't even – I was going to yeah, say something, but I'm yeah. not going to say yeah. something. Um, right, on that note – Yeah, we're getting, then, yeah, we're, we're getting yeah, to we the end it. of the show and uh, I wish that we could talk longer, but uh, like the – Honestly, the audio stuff is going to be a a, yeah. a bear for Lou to. Yeah. Uh, I'm crying to I'm ameliorate. Crying I, I can feel it just <laughs> like emanating from the pores in your skin. Um, so Dana, if you wouldn't mind, uh, people want to get in touch with you or get involved with um this cause or or learn more or whatever. Um, give me a slew of you know email addresses, websites, whatever it is that you want to do. I want to plug the tenants' rights unions that are happening right now. I think these are really important for 
regular people in the community to unite and put their voices together and go to their elected officials and tell them that they want them to implement different programs and you know put put more subsidy towards develop uh affordable housing development you know there's there's a list of things that can be demanded but what's important is for people to get together and um organize um and i guess well I have a resource I wanted to share, but it's specific to Tampa, so I guess I shouldn't. No, that's that fine. That probably wouldn't be too we, helpful. Let me think. We could put it in the uh, yeah, show we'll, notes. Yeah, we'll just mm. put it in the show notes because, you know, we do have a, a decent amount of, of people who live in Tampa that listen, so. Yeah, um, and the thing about the tenants' rights movements is that they're happening all over the state of Florida. They're happening all over the country. Um so I think that plugging tenants, tenants unions um, and tenants rights movements is applicable to all listeners. I guess if people want to just get in touch with me, they can email me at my personal email, which is danalaz at gmail.com. D-A-Y-N-A-L-A-Z at gmail.com. Cool. So, uh, if you would like to follow the Disablest Network on YouTube, you can find us by just uh, searching our name, or I'm pretty sure it's youtube.com backslash the Disablest Network. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Disablest. You can visit our merch shop if you would like to uh, support us there at cafepress.com backslash the Disablest Network. And uh, yeah, that's all of our social media and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, please give us a follow and thank you for everybody who listens to this on uh, YouTube thank, or on Thank you to Spotify. our patrons. Thank we you. To, uh, yeah, thank you to our patrons. Was, but but you were going to do that separately. Yeah, so I yeah. wasn't going to say anything about that. Lou is going to. We love our patrons. We, we love all of our patrons. Yeah, uh, they're, they're our favorite people in the world. Thank you so much. And if you would like to be added to the list that Lou is going to provide uh, right here. Uh, then please go on to there and show our support. Again, it's it's patreon.com uh, backslash the Disablest Network. Uh, and so I will go ahead and give our tag line for the end of the show and say, remember, we're just the tip of the spear. Disability rights are human rights. I'm Kyle. I'm Lewis. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. We will catch you on the next episode. Sorry for the audio uh, delays and stuff like that. Okay, bye!